The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new. Good morning. Oh, you're just as caffeinated as the first service. I love it. Uh, well, Barry said, my name's Kat, and it's just such a joy. What a privilege to open God's word with you, to be with you, and to be in person. That's extra special. I wanna thank Barry and the elders for the invitation. Um, this is such an honor, and I hope to steward this opportunity well. Um, Kim and Barry mean a lot to me. Aaron and I, my husband and I, used to attend Irving Bible Church back in 2006 before he went on staff at Northwest Bible Church, and so this church home feels like our extended family. Uh, there are three things that you might wanna know about me that'll help you get to know me really well. And I say them almost every time I speak, so you might have heard this before, but I'm a Jesus girl that believes the Bible is a literary masterpiece. And I believe that men and women and children are mission critical for great commission work. That's me. Like that, You know me really, really well. I'm a borderline annoying in worship with the Jesus thing. I could just say his name over and over and over and over until it's a distraction to us. You know, That's the kind of Jesus girl I am. I cannot get over this man. And I, I marvel at God's artistic brilliance with the scriptures. I just think it's incredible that he's made this a cohesive and unified story all pointing towards Jesus. And I also believe that each and every one of us, our contribution to the kingdom is mission critical. And I borrow that language from my friend, Nika Spalding, a resident theologian at St. Jude Church here in town. So that's everything you need to know about me. I also wanted to share a bit of my story as it relates to our message this morning. I came to faith in Jesus when I was 16 years old in 1996 because of two church ladies. One was named Anne, and one was named Kathy. And they were both educators at my school, and I'm completely convinced they conspired. <laughs> they got together and probably started praying for me and my massive attitude problem on the cheer squad, pre-Jesus. And uh, maybe some of my goals I had in choir, Anne was a choir instructor at the time, and I was a big choir nerd. And those two women both came to me individually and shared the gospel news with me. They were both members of Houston First Baptist Church under John Bizanyu's leadership. And after becoming a member of his church and getting baptized there with my whole family, I think it was in 1997, I started to realize that Kathy and Anne had been under teaching, telling them that Jesus loves you no matter what, and that they should go and share that with other people. And they did it with me. And I am forever grateful because if you knew more of my story and my family tree, and you started to see all the severed, all the broken branches from untreated mental illness and a substance abuse, you would know that I am a statistical anomaly in my family. I am a miracle because of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Anne and Kathy told me about Jesus before I started drinking. And I'm so grateful because that's why I'm whole. That's why I'm here. And by the time I got into licensed professional counseling and they started asking about all my family history and my background and they said, how are you whole? And I could say, because Kathy and Anne told me about Jesus. And I bring up these two women, these church ladies, 
because ultimately that's what the church is all about. Yes, we gather to reorient our lives to Jesus, to focus on him, to worship him. We come together as the embodied presence of Christ. We come together because it's God's best plan for us, because something special happens here in the Spirit's power, all of that. But I think Kathy and Anne are products, are the results of that working. And I wanted you to take just 20 seconds of silence this morning and to think about who is the Anne, who is the Kathy in your own life. There's been a church lady or a church man who has changed your faith for the better. Who is that person? Think about that. Sometimes when we put a face to a name and we personalize what we're doing here at church, we remember its power and its potential. It's not just an institution that might be failing us, but it's real people that are making a difference for Christ. And so I know you've got those people in your life. I remember falling in love with church because it's where I could learn about Christ and going to my youth pastor, John Durham, and telling him, I am not doing skits. I'm not going to no church camp. I don't wanna chew some weird gum that someone else has chewed to make your point. Like, I don't know the difference between Abraham and Moses. I wanna learn about that. And he said, you should start sneaking into an adult Sunday school class that we've got here at church. Sneak in the back, there's like 600 people in there. And we've got a really Southern lady with really Southern hair. And she goes through the Bible line by line. And she's got these handouts every week on Sunday with fill in the blank. And I remember in 1997, I started sneaking into Beth Moore's Sunday school class. Think about that setting the stage for what you know about church and the power and the potential of what church can be And it didn't take just a couple of months of being a church member before it got real complicated because I broke up with my boyfriend and he broke up with his girlfriend. And then when we got together, realized all four of us went to church together. This is like our own little teenage drama playing out. It got a little awkward, a little complicated. 30 years later, been a pastor's wife for 20 years. I've seen how the sausage is made. You know what I mean? I've been an elder's wife for eight years, a pastor's wife for 21. (laughs) Church is complicated. There are still moments that I clutch my pearls. Still, after a while, I'm like, wow, that happens in church. And you, you have experienced this too. And so here's what I wanna do this morning. My message is for the Christ followers who know the power and the potential of the church and want us to live up into it. So if you're taking notes, this is the whole message. The church is worth it and it's complicated. The church is worth it and it's complicated. I want you to meet me in Acts chapter two. We're gonna start in verse 42. If you have your paper Bibles, you get extra bonus points. If you have your devices, go ahead, go ahead. Um, Acts chapter two, I'm in the CSB, not for any theological reasons, it's just the Bible I hold, okay? So that's what I have, but we're gonna be in verse 42. Let me give you some context of what we're looking at this morning. So Jesus, 100% God, 
has been saying that he is the Messiah, that he fulfills the Old Testament scriptures, that he's the savior of the world, that he can forgive sins, and then he proves it. He goes to the cross, he dies for our sins, and three days later, he rises from the dead. And as those words come out of my lips, every time I'm like, that's insane. And we just talk about it like, of course he did, absolutely, that's why. He, he conquered death. He proved he could forgive sins. This is who we worship. And then Jesus appears to hundreds of people over a series of several days, proving his resurrection. They see his scarred hands. Then he gathers them right before his ascension in Acts chapter one. He tells them not to leave Jerusalem, to wait for the Father's promise, the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit's come. He makes good on another promise. The Holy Spirit, that day of Pentecost, unleashes its power on people. They act in strange and new ways that grab the attention of all the people around them. And then we see Peter preach this amazing sermon. Very pointed, if I may add. Not the way to like a number one book sales platform. You know, It's very pointed, very convicting, um, accusing the Jews and participating along with the Romans of putting the Messiah to death, crucifying him. And how do people respond? (laughs) Sign me up, what do I do? How do I join this new family? 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. And right after that moment, this is what Luke tells us in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This, yes, I am here for all of this. The church is worth it. This is amazing. What if we lived up to this? This is who we really are. But church is complicated. And I think for many of us, if you're like me, I go here and I'm like, That's, that was 1996 for me. This is when my church got baptized. This is when I broke off from the family tree and replanted in the soil of redemption. This is our story. And then I go, ooh, but experience has taught me that the church is complicated. And I think for some of us this morning, church has gotten too complicated. And we're wondering, it, I know it's worth it, but do I still have to participate? Because this is beyond awkward. This is, this is hurtful. This is, this is hard. This is making me give all I've got. And I just wanna remind you that it is worth it. That in Christ, this new family is formed and social stratus was demolished. That in Jesus, the genders joined to work together, that in Jesus, slaves became siblings, and then he gave us the Holy Spirit's power. This is the church, this is who we are. That's amazing. But maybe like me, you already know it's complicated, and it's given way to a little bit of disillusionment, it leads to a little bit of cynicism, that leads to stepping back a little bit, to building up some walls, it builds, it creates apathy in my personal life, if you can relate to this. 
Maybe if you just experienced the brokenness of being a part of church and you know it's complicated. Here's my encouragement for you. Everything worth loving, everything worth being devoted to is complicated and it always has been and it always will be, including the church. And so I wanna do a little, um, I wanna zoom out from Acts chapter two, verse 42 and just remind you what's come before so you can see both of these truths are true, that the church is worth it and it's complicated, and we can own that this morning. So I want you to go to chapter one, Acts chapter one. I want you to read verses six through eight with me. So when they'd come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? Because you guys, it was complicated. And then verse seven, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Woo, this is worth it. This is worth it. But remember, the church was born into all this eschatological longing and disappointment and there was a political letdown. The church was born into, wait, Jesus is gone, the embodied presence of Christ. How long will that last? When is he coming back? Oh, and we're still under imperial rule? Things were complicated then. It's always been complicated. Do you hear these words from Jesus and you're like, yes, let's go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's be the witnesses. And it says in verse 14, they were all continually united in prayer along with the women. Yes, they were. Oof. Very next, that's worth it. Very next thing that happens is so complicated. Peter's speech about Judas. Remember this guy? Yeah. There was a betrayer. He was in our inner circle. He let us all down. And me, I would have had all those receipts from Mary of Bethany. Remember when he acted like he didn't like her, wiping his feet. Remember that? It turns out he was just stealing from us. Complicated. Verses later, chapter two, then the day of Pentecost arrived, verse one, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 11b, they declared the magnificent, magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said they were drunk on new wine. Worth it and complicated. Then Peter launches into that super convicting sermon I mentioned earlier saying, verse 32, God has raised this Jesus and we are all witnesses of this. Then he says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Messiah. And when they heard this, they were pierced and said, what do I do about it? I wanna repent. It's worth it and it's complicated. And it's always been that way and it will always be that way. And so we can just, we can just own it. Anything worthy of our love and devotion will be complicated. I'm not saying we get over it. We never get over Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47. We never, we never shy away from saying, this is how it was always meant to be. And until it is that way, we will not give up. We will not resist. We will not keep quiet. We will not raise attention to the things that, that deserve it. So I'm not saying to just, oh, get over it. That's how it's always been. It's quite the opposite. 
The church is worth it and it's complicated and we can own it. And I think for some of us, if we've given way to all the disillusionment, and I'm speaking from experience, hopefully you can tell that by now. This isn't like a, you know, y'all really should, but more like a, this has been really hard. That disillusionment and cynicism gives way. And the women I've been ministering to for 15 years, the marketplace women through the Polish Network, man, I hear the same things for over a decade from those women which is it got too complicated and I kind of had to take a step back and I've got one foot in, one foot out. Honestly, I found great community here at the Polish Network. I found great uh, community in my affinity groups. The truth is I can be fully myself, I'm fully known, and I don't have to explain myself. And it's such a powerful feeling and I'm with you. Some of my dearest friends are pastors' wives. It's like we don't even have to say anything and we understand each other. That's beautiful. And yeah, that's a part of the kingdom. But I also want you to remember that when I don't have to explain myself to anybody in these affinity groups, I don't have to explain myself to anybody. And what characterized the early church movement was repentance, repentance, repentance. And as much as I don't like it, (laughs) that's the holy work of God in our family. And sometimes we have more opportunity to repent with people who aren't like us. I'm not saying to abandon your affinity groups, I'm still in mine. (laughs) I need that support. But I just wanna remind you that what we're doing here, this is worth it. And this is complicated and we can own it. And so I wanna leave you with a couple of things. If it's worth it and it's complicated and we need to own it, I think we do two things. One. We remind ourselves that we are people of resurrection and that we are people of repentance. That's it. We are people of resurrection and we are people of repentance. And when I, when I say we're people of re- resurrection, I mean we're the kind of people who go to our friends and say, oh, but, but remember, the stone was rolled away. There was no body in that tomb when those relationships are so severed and things are unraveling in our faith that we as resurrection people are like, it's not as good as it gets and what was inaugurated isn't complete yet. And what I know for sure is those hundreds of people could not be lying. That moment in history was real and it has changed everything. It changed this this moment now, your relationships, your work stress, it changes it. Resurrection people. That's who we are. And if this is worth it and it's gonna be complicated, let's go ahead and own it and be resurrection people. And let's be people of repentance. I'm sorry feels like vinegar coming out of my mouth. It feels like the absolute last resort. I don't know why. Maybe it's my history or that I'm prideful or that I'm human, but I think you can relate to this. It's not my first instinct to own something, to take radical ownership, or even to make room for like, I didn't really cause the problem, but I know I'm a part of the problem, and so I'm gonna take some ownership on this. I mentioned this in the first service, that Dr. Sam Juan on Twitter, he's a member of your church, he does this in a really beautiful way publicly. Taking ownership of things, I'm like, dude, you didn't have anything to do with that. 
But your humble, embodied presence of Jesus on this crazy, messy platform is commendable because that's what our family is like here at Irving Bible Church. We are people of resurrection and we are people of repentance. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel that election cycle coming and the wars all over the world and that keyboard courage, keyboard courage. We could start saying all sorts of things. And I just wanna remind you of who we really are. We're church people and church is worth it and church is complicated, but we are gonna focus on resurrection and repentance, resurrection and repentance. And I think this morning, this is our opportunity. When we take the elements later, this is our opportunity to repent. And I just wanna encourage the people who have taken a step back from church, you might need a breather. That's okay. For the people who are deconstructing, man, you bring that thing all the way down to the studs and there's still that firm foundation. Jesus. You need to build some new beams? go for it. But I think for those of us who have put on those chip gains demo day glasses to our faith and to the church as an institution need to be reminded that unless you plan to be a squatter on that firm foundation, we have to start thinking about remodeling. And living through a remodel stinks. I've done it. But you can do it because this is worth it. And it's complicated, it's always been complicated, it's always gonna be complicated, but it's worth it. And if we choose to rebuild our lives on this firm foundation of Jesus and be people of resurrection and repentance, you're gonna be like Anne. You're gonna be like Kathy. You're gonna be like the people you spent time thinking about when we started this message. And so if you're kind of uh, taking a step back and you need a breather, Again, take your time, but also come back. I think sometimes we find community in a way that meets our needs and then we start to wonder and start to think, I don't know that I need the church. And the thing is, is that we need you. (laughs) And not just to put money in the plate. I teach Sunday school at my church in the first hour, and I'm with the fourth and fifth graders, and they're brilliant theologians and conversation partners, and I'm completely obsessed with them. And I tell them two things every Sunday, two most important things I want you to hear. God loves you no matter what. And number two, you are God's dream come true. Oh, everything about you, you're just God's dream come true. And it sounds cheesy when I'm with adults and I mean it more. You are God's dream come true. What you offer Irving Bible Church, this local body is mission critical. We'll do it without you. It just won't be the same. God purposed you for this time, for this place. The way you participate, the way you offer your voice, your perspective, It's not just nice to have, to create diversity and to think differently. It's mission critical. I think for those of us who feel like, I know the church is worth it, I know the church is worth it, then be encouraged. Yes, it is. I think for those of us who are over here going, oh, but it's so complicated. Yeah, it is. 
It always has been, it always will be, but still worth it. So let's own it. Let's say, you know what? That is on us. That was 100% us. It, it was worse than the news made it out to be. I didn't have anything to do with it, but I can see it as clear as day. And let's own the resurrection and not pretend like we don't have resurrection power pulsing through our veins. The same Jesus power that rose him from the dead lives inside of me and in you. Man, so much potential. And for those of you who know the power and the potential and you wanna live up into it, this is our moment. Then you have to participate because you participating makes it that way. You are the potential, you are the power because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. So I wanna, I wanna close this in a time of prayer. So if you will bow your head, let's pray and let's ask God to be people of resurrection and repentance. Resurrected Jesus, we love you. We're here because of what you've done in our lives. And we're staying because we believe it's worth it. But things have gotten really complicated. For those of us who feel like it's too complicated, God, meet us in this moment. Holy Spirit of God, be so tender, so near, so evident. Embrace us, welcome us home. God, for those of us who feel like it's complicated, but I'm ready. Oh, Spirit of God, embolden us like you did in the early church in the book of Acts to pray, to preach boldly, to contribute everything we have. And God, I pray for the people who feel like they've got one foot out, one foot in. God, in your time, make a way to re-engage in the right season, in the right way, God, make a pathway back. For any of us holding back what we have to offer, Lord Jesus, unleash us. Remind us that we're mission critical. Help us reinvest and re-engage in this local church body. And in the name of Jesus and the power of the Spirit, I ask God that Irving Bible Church would be people of resurrection and repentance. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new.